My name is Henry Jarvis, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. That's pretty Very good. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Before we get started on this episode of Real Nerds Podcast, remember you can connect to the Real Nerds in many ways. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can also call us 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2016 and beyond. I am Ryan, and I have a full nerd station today. I'm also with... James. And Brad. Every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week we went and saw Turbo Kid. <laughs> oh, I forgot that the, like it's been two days and I was like... What did we see this week? Now I remember. Yeah. That's because there's wow. absolutely shit out. Oh, yeah. No. September is becoming like a really, really rough month. Um, Brad and I, you were uh, a little late. And so uh, Brad and I were sitting in the car. We were waiting. And we're looking through the schedule. And September is like just uh, devastated. A which, shit show. Yeah, which sucks because there's a whole bunch of weeks in October where there's a lot of like... You know, multiple movies at a, at a time that are good, and yet just none of it. Like you can't you can't take a couple of those movies and drop them in September, so we can all be happy. For I know once. that's what I'm saying. I think they've proved in Hollywood that you can release movies at any time, and people will see them if they're good. Yeah, yeah, even in March. But I had a revelation. People I was, are more or comfortable February. with going to movies whenever time of the year, whenever they just want to be entertained. Yeah, that's how hungry people are for media these days. Yeah, I had a revelation while I was in your bathroom. Because you've got uh, you've got the <laughs> you've got the Entertainment Weekly that you're no longer a man. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, now my mom's listening. She's gonna write you a mean letter. Oh, before we do that, I'm gonna give a shout out to Carson. He told me to say that he say his name because he listens to our podcast. What's up, Carson? And, and he'll listen and go, "Oh, that shit, that's me." Is Carson so, like six years old? No, Carson is our friend from high school. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, hi, Carson. And he's a funny guy. Anyways. You're um, saying? Yeah, so you've got the the Entertainment Weekly with Kylo Ren on the front. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm standing there peeing and I'm looking at it, just be like this is cool, you know. And there's been all this you think news. Cool. I think Kylo Ren looks cool, yeah. And I think the cross guard is awesome. Fuck you. I'll you didn't fight. Hear me? You didn't hear me? Correctly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, and um, and I realized I know who Kylo Ren is. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Who's that? He's the long lost son of Luke and Leia. That's what they're gonna reveal. What that they fucked? Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what it's gonna be. Wait. It's gonna be like, yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's Luke and Leia's son, and he's pissed off. And he's retarded. <laughs> no. Is that how you create a Sith incest? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. There's mm. been so much news and people like digging in, trying to figure out like so what's going what on with you Star come Wars. To that conclusion. Oh, everybody else is just making shit up about the movie. Like, oh. why can't I? Yeah, yeah. We should be first to that one. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, why let's not? make shit up. Yeah, like, let's just make shit up about... That's how you make a Star Wars movie. I think so. I think that's how they're all built. Yeah, right. Anyway. We also talk about movie news. We also talk about movies we've been watching, Blu-rays that are coming out, comic books you should be reading, and box office predictions, 
and James pissing in my bathroom. <laughs> Kellen, what do you have to say to that? Is it okay that I use your bathroom, Kellen? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. Not. You're right. I'll stay out of there from now on. <laughs> I love that he's figured it out. Like he knows, like okay, I'm supposed to talk into this thing. Yep. Born to podcast. Hell yeah! Hey, that'd be a great bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, what are we gonna? Oh, we gotta do. My dog just. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Your dog just exploded. Right, and I think your life is falling apart in front of us. <laughs> your kid's trying to suffocate himself. Your dog exploded. <laughs> like. Oh, I just okay. killed Bambi. And every time I <laughs> drive, I feel like taking the wheel to the goddamn car and punching it. <laughs> uh, Tommy Boy, for uh, movie fans out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. It's interesting you've never put like a guard on the corner of that glass table. I know. every He, he hasn't really eaten. He's hitting his head on this table a lot. Not really. <laughs> Brad, they're first-time parents. They, they don't have all the answers yet. <laughs> Just one oh. And I also want to point to out to that he's only really banged his head with my wife watching him. <laughs> Uh-oh. As far as you know. Hey, here he comes. Yeah. Oh, hey, buddy. He's coming on your here side he now. Oh, 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 he's pulling my toes. It's normal. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he hit his head. Oh, yeah, that's about normal. <laughs> so, Brad, what do you want to do first? Uh, gosh. Let's do box, uh, box office stats. <laughs> box! Uh, straight out of Compton won again this weekend. Thirteen million. Not surprising. The big news: War Room, the faith-based drama starring people you've never heard of, did eleven million dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. That's what they do. People go see those movies. People like those movies. Yep. What even comes out next week? I think there's a movie that nothing. Nothing. What are we nope. predicting? So there's nothing until Sicario two weeks from now. Oh, that movie looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, there is something coming out. Which don't know the name of it we just don't want to see it oh no there is a i think an actual movie what's the fourth um quick we're a movie podcast hang on one second oh i said we swear we know our stuff yeah we gotta pick something to predict um i predict we won't see it (laughs) yeah the number one movie at the box office next week will be uh real nerds podcast (laughs) anything at all best top 10 list of what year uh it's 1985. You know what? I'm I'm gonna pick a dark horse. I think Z for Zachariah is gonna get a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yes, and why not? People will be so fed up with the release schedule if they'll go see indie movies. Oh, uh, you know, I bet it's Transporter Refueled. Oh yeah, it is Transporter Refueled. Okay. I think that'll get twenty million dollars. Twenty million? Wow. I'll do twenty-one. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say twelve. <laughs> oh, that's a good yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, I'm going transporter refuel uh, twelve. It'd get another eight million if Jason Statham was in it. <laughs> oh, to, to ten if Jason Statham were in it. So um, it's playing at the draft house. <laughs> hey, that's a good. That's a good question, Brad. 
Let me, excuse me while I whip this out. Who are you people? Monsieur Neri, please, one more question. N'avez-vous pas fait récemment une rencontre? Have you recently had a close encounter? Une rencontre plutôt inhabituelle? Close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? Two species separated by 65 million years of evolution. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? We're taking him to a spaceship. Well, can it just beam up? This is reality, Greg. You've got to make up your minds. You want to stay alive and Andy up? You want to play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. So, what side of the rainbow are we working tonight, Dr. Light? Something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. You never had control. That's the illusion. I was overwhelmed by the power of this place, but I didn't have enough respect for that power, and it's out now. Hold on to your butts. Uh, any uh, Blazing Saddles fans out there? <laughs> no, no one ever liked that movie. I love that movie. I like, I like that movie too. I was being sarcastic. You better like that movie. Why? Because are only you're gonna beat me up. Only don't? racists don't like that movie. Oh shit! Can you believe it's September already? Holy cow! Yeah, no. year goes by so fast, right, buddy? You're almost a one year old. How was your birthday yesterday? Yeah, I'm happy good. birthday. Thanks. I uh, my dad had a badminton thing at the park and a barbecue. So I did that. Um, my wife took me out to dinner that I paid for. And, uh, <laughs> it's a thought that counts. Yeah. Because I, I mean, obviously I don't have any money because I'm not working, but my <laughs> in-laws gave me birthday money. And I was like, well, I said, well, let's go out to eat. So that was my birthday <laughs> gift for my in-laws. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. Thank but you. I was going to spend it on video games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the September is Steven Spielberg month at the Alamo Draft House. So excited. So that is pretty cool. They're also the first, they are showing 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, the 37th Chamber, which we met the dude who's in charge of that. And by the way, Brad, he was a guy who wouldn't shut up before the movie started. Him and Steve, just so you know. Oh. Oh, wow. Steve should know better. Yep. Um, Wait, Steve. Steve was in the movie? Steve, Steve was that? Yeah, yeah he, he was, was right next to us. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, and the dude in charge of 37th Chamber was just talking and talking, and Brad got up and left because they wouldn't shut up. No, yeah, I got That was during the trailers. That I left because the... the girls to my left. Oh, yeah. I thought oh. you got it because the dudes to my right. I mean, it was oh. annoying, but they didn't, they weren't just close enough to me to, so. No, yeah. he was quiet, I guess, as the movie started. Or even yeah. that one thing came up is like, do, do, do. This when is I, now a no talking zone. When I see two girls just doing this, two girls in a cup. <laughs> that is my cue to like I don't trust them to stop that during the movie so I was just like cut to the chase two girls in a cup is what should happen to people who talk during movies right uh, fantastic uh, Hawk the Slayer I'm sorry is the third and we also have Jaws is on Friday Ooh, always a good one yes it is and I think that is it for Alamo next week but let me just double check you know what's coming up on the 7th though Yes, uh, the real nerds are presenting the color purple. I'm excited. I was the, watching the some... real nerds are presenting the color purple. <laughs> uh, I I was watching some interviews with Steven Spielberg last night, and he talks about the fact that like that movie, and and it's it's interesting because if you think back, like 
now we think of Steven Spielberg and we're like, oh, you know, he made Schindler's List. He made Amistad. Like, he's famous for making a lot of dramas as well. But at the time, that was the first, like, that was his art house flick. Yeah. Like, that was the first time that he proved he could make a movie where people just talk. Yeah. When did that come out? 84? Yeah. 84. Yeah. 85. 85. Because we did the (laughs) top movies, our favorite movies from 85. Oh, yeah, yeah. It must have been 85. Yeah. Uh, It was filmed in 84. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, because I was looking for interviews from 84 through 89, because those are the ones where he'll talk about them. There are so few interviews with him. It's a shame. I know. It's a bummer. But it's gearing up for his new movie, Bridge of Spies, which looks awesome. Reuniting with Tom Hanks. But anyways, so yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, No, actually, I'm I'm actually kind of humbled that we're presenting such a great film. I'm like they picked oh, us yeah. for the color purple. That's awesome. Yeah, I, guess I thought I they were finally watch it. Pick us for like, oh shit, Brad, you've still never seen it. Yeah. Uh, oh, like man. Hawk Jones or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. you still have never seen it? No, still in the wrapper. Yep, do really good. I feel like I owe it to the disc itself to watch the disc first and not <laughs> at the movie with you guys. So you're not going to be there, is what you're saying? Maybe. What day is it? The seventh. Uh, it's the seventh. It's so Labor it's Day. Monday. Oh, it's on Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. I'm Labor Day. Do that actually. Cool. You're also all invited to my house for lunch that day, if you want. Oh, cool. Why? I have What's to get my on? ass kicked my parents... at Colorado State Patrol, but yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Oh, <laughs> you don't get Labor Day off? No. Oh, shit. Maybe Crime I'll... doesn't take a day what? off, It's a government James. holiday. I know. What time uh, What time's that starting, though? Uh, you, you guys doing that? The movie or no. uh, your oh, folks? Oh, w- 1 o'clock. Oh, I might be okay. I think we're usually done at like 12 and our oh, there you State go. Patrol, so. You can always come for the end. Cool. I'll pick up my boy and go, because yeah. I think Laura works, so. Okay. Cool. Uh, mm. What are we doing next? Oh, we got to do news. We have to uh, do yeah, news. Okay, cool. news. News needs to happen. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. The White House Reception Committee greeted the Prime Rib Roast Minister, and I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do da cha cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Oh man, bummer news! It's like we're in a reboot of Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> I'm uh, Tom Selleck. Haha, UBC Goldberg. No, wait, wait. You're that other guy no one remembers. Oh man, <laughs> Ted Danson. Ted Danson. No, I'm cool with Ted Danson. I like Becker. <laughs> Um, sad news. We're starting with actually just before we came on the air, horror legend, uh, film directing legend, Wes Craven passed away this afternoon after a battle with brain cancer. Did anybody know he had brain cancer? I don't remember reading that. Yeah. You know, I love interviews with him. He's such a articulate gentleman and you wouldn't think that he was a huge horror film guy. Uh, but he, he used to teach English and all uh, was so James, there you go. Used to teach English and he just found his his calling directing horror films and very stylish in fact if i had to pick the best horror film he made it'd be this one here's a trailer for a nightmare on elm street the kids of elm street don't know it yet but something is coming to get them there's something out there isn't there <laughs> You could just see cuts happening. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Tina! There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. 
They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. A new masterpiece in fantasy terror. Nightmare on Elm Street. And he also resurrected his career with Scream. Here's a trailer for Scream. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. (laughs) I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Well, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? So I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. You didn't make the rules. Police are always on track, but they watch prom night and save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Two of the most influential horror films ever. And here's a trailer for True Romance, because why the fuck not? I don't know. Are we just throwing more trailers in? No, Wes Craven has nothing to do with True Romance. I know, I know. I'm just picking another movie. Uh, you can play one for Mr. Holland's opus if you want. Oh, dude, okay. Your first day as a teacher, Mr. Holland. Excited? Nervous. Academy Award winner and 1995 Academy Award nominee, Richard Dreyfus, stars in the movie Critics Are Calling, one of the year's ten best pictures. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Rock and roll? It's the powerful story of the hope one man inspired. He didn't direct yes, that. Yes, he did. He, he directed that? I swear he did. Bring up IMDb, I promise. All right. You're putting my movie trivia to at the test. Are you doing all right, James? You want me to take him? Well, I'm good. I know. He's really squirmy. I know. I know. 
he's he's really he's visually uh, emotionally upset that Wes Craven passed away. <laughs> but just a cool guy. Like his he's always really cool. If you get DVDs with him or Blu-rays. Wow, you should go back to film school because Stephen Stephen Herrick directed. Which one did he direct? It wasn't Mr. Holland's Opus. It was uh, Scream. Scream. No, he directed like a goofy one with. Is the TV Richard. version of Scream still on the air? Uh, yeah, it's yes. horrible. Um, with Richard Dreyfus. What's the one am I thinking of? Okay, I got his filmography here. Yeah, please bring it up. So delete Mr. Holland's Opus and let's play his real like drama one. Oh no, I already played like a different trailer. Music of the Heart. Music of the Heart. There we go. <laughs> oh, dude, I saw that movie in theaters from 1999, starring. Is it Richard Dreyfus or am I totally fucked up? Uh, starring uh, Meryl, Streep, Meryl Streep, Cloris Leachman. It was like, um, it was like, Henry uh, Denhofer. So, yeah. It's basically totally Sister Act Aiden only Quinn. without. Whoopi? Angela Bassett. Just all black people, to be really honest. <laughs> like, not, to, not to be racist, I'm just like, they just, they just whitewashed Sister Act, and that's what that movie was. Cool. Hmm. So, yeah, so it's actually, what's it again, Brad? Music, music from the heart? Music of the heart. Music of the heart. So, here's yeah. the real trailer. Your husband ran off with your best friend. That's right. You know something? I know this cool lady. She runs this elementary school. You'd have to be willing to relocate. Where is it? Welcome to East Harlem. You need violins? I have 50 violins. I'll put you down as a sub. Thank you very much. No guns. No! Don't do that. Don't do that. Their attention span doesn't go past Do Re Me. I think you're underestimating them. Miramax Films presents two-time Academy Award winner Meryl Streep, Aidan Quinn, Gloria Estefan, and Academy Award nominee Angela Bassett in an extraordinary true story. I would like you all to play from here. Music of the heart. See, he can do serious shit. Well, now, now, does that mean I still have to leave the Mr. Holland's Opus trailer? No, I told you to take it out. Okay. (laughs) You should start playing it and then, like, add a sound effect. Yeah, I will. I totally will. Would you be interested to know that he directed a episode of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color? Oh, cool. In 1986? Yeah, he's, uh, he's been pretty prolific. He, his first movie I believe he directed was Last House on the Left. And then it was The Hills Have Eyes, or I might have those backwards. With the last movie he directed? No. The uh, first one he first one. was Last House on the Left, and then yeah. The Fireworks Woman, and then The Hills Have Eyes. Yep. So even if you want to see a fucked up movie, The Last House on the Left, I love the title, though. I love the title of The Last House on the Left. That's the one that they remade with Jennifer Lawrence, right? Uh, No, that's The House at the End of the Street. Oh, okay. Uh, they remade uh The Last House on the Left, though. Okay. And then there's The People Under the Stairs. <laughs> yeah, I just got that from Scream Factory. Um, special edition. He directed Vampire in Brooklyn. Yep, and he also has another special edition coming out. I think it's this week. A shocker is coming out this week, next week, sometime in September. <laughs> I do know that. You know, an icon. I, He's an icon. What I didn't yeah. know is even even I respected him, and I don't like horror movies. Remember when I did uh, Mitch Pelagi's, uh panel at Comic Con? I'm like, who the? F- I don't. I know he's in X-Files. What the fuck else has he done? He was the shocker in Shocker. <laughs> he's the bad guy. <laughs> so I could have asked him about that. All right. Come here, Kellen. 
second. I don't like that James is fighting me so much. All right. Uh, but yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. More from news. Um, Prometheus 2 is next up for Ridley Scott, so I'm excited about that. Cool. Um, uh, Bloom Camp doing his alien at the same time? Uh, well, there's been a lot of rumors that, that Prometheus 2 is delaying Bloom Camp's alien. Mm. Um, I don't know why that would matter. I feel like all the people who hated Prometheus are just waiting for a, another alien movie anyway, so like you should just put them both out no matter when. Prometheus. Prometheus is pretty awesome. A lot of people hate Prometheus. I know. Downright hate Do you think Prometheus. it's because they don't like Damon Lindelof? Uh, yes, I do. Um, in fact, I've heard people complain about specifically Damon Lindelof, and I've heard them attribute things to him that were in the original um, script, like mm. before da- Damon got the script. All Damon Lindelof did was take out the alien stuff. Like, that movie was an alien script before, and he took out the aliens. Like, that's all he did. Uh, and mm-hmm. he added in a lot of the religious metaphor stuff. I'm gonna um, watch that again. Which I, the religious metaphor stuff is what's kind of awesome. I had a guy at work come up to me today, and he just like, or this week, and for some reason, randomly, Prometheus came up, and he's like, "Did you realize that she gives birth on Christmas Day?" I was like, <laughs> "I didn't." Interesting, a little on the nose, but really interesting. Um, you know, because yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, because it's a movie. That's because the day Jesus died, right? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's why we celebrate Hanukkah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanukkah oh, okay. is about the day that Jesus died. It's about when the Jews killed Jesus, yeah. Whoa, that's a hard Jew you just came out. <laughs> I'm sorry, when the Jewish killed Jesus. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, what movie shit. is that where you can't just, you can't just come out and say uh, Jew? Oh, it's, oh, it's always it's, sunny. It's always sunny, yeah. It's a hard right. J. It's he a just hard J. A hard J. <laughs> uh, and on Community, it's say the whole word next time. <laughs> Jewish? No, 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 he says Jewy. Jewy After she tells right. him to say the whole word, he says Jewy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, shit. Okay, what else we got? Uh, Born 5 is going to start shooting next week. Nice. So With Matt Damon. Yeah, with Matt Damon. Um, so so just re- I'm going to call it Jason Bourne 4. I'm not going to yeah. count that Jeremy Renner. Which, it's like, oh, after an hour and a half, it's starting to get really good, and then it ends. And then it literally yeah. just ends. It just stops. No. Like, right when the movie gets cool, it just stops. Do you think Jeremy, Ren- Jeremy Renner's like, what the hell, man? You said you were done. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Well, when when you you He's gave like, up your no, franchise. Jeremy, you're done. <laughs> like, he spent, he invested three films in getting that franchise off the ground, and one film was able to derail it. Um, because well, so, he walked away. It's his own fault. Uh, well. <laughs> I'm sorry he's getting, or I'm sure he's sorry he's getting older, but, uh. Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, were you guys ever big Shield fans? I've nope. never watched it. Yeah, I, I watched the first episode and was like, this is awesome. I gotta watch this show. And then I never watched it. Uh, but they're re-releasing it in 4K and in widescreen. Um, which is kind of interesting. Like, I, I like the idea of them going back to some of those films, especially the ones where, in this case, when the, when the wire was announced that it was getting, uh, remastered and, ported over to widescreen everybody was like well what are they gonna do like are they gonna squish it or anything and the truth is that in the original film they can go back and they can just they they can add in the stuff that was cut out like they film more than what's actually in the um in the case of uh, star trek the next generation they couldn't do that because there's like light stands off to the side of the frame yeah 
Um, but the shield was was filmed in a similar way, so they're going to go back and just add in the the, the extra sides. Have you guys seen um, the new uh, Blu-rays that Sony has coming out? No. Uh, they're called. Uh, oh, it's like awesome. Prestige Prestige Edition. Okay, and they come in like these clear kind of gray blu-ray cases Ooh. and they come like with the, booklets and a bunch of new special features are they like the color of the criterion ones like uh, that translucent almost translucent but it's more like a gray huh and the first one they're putting out is bram stoker's dracula but they also have uh fifth element so, huh it's one of the fifth element yeah so they're like they're doing like all these really cool like re-releases and just make basically making the pictures better and giving better special features and, cool and they're expensive too they're like 30 bucks each Huh. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, are they whiter? Are they the whiter uh, ones like Criterion? I haven't seen the sides of them yet. I just seen art for Dracula. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then the only other thing I've got news is, uh, did you read all the drama where Quentin Tarantino threw down with? Yeah, uh, it follows. Yeah, with David Robert Mitchell. Mitchell. Um. Who, yeah, basically, like, for whatever reason, Quentin Tarantino decided that, like, it was his place to talk about the things he didn't like, and it follows, and as I read them, I was just like, these are kind of nitpicky. Yeah. Like, and it's not like, every every year I read his top ten list, and I'm always like, I like half of these movies, you know? Yeah, he... I don't consider him, like, a a great source of criticism, you I know? Either. Like, I really like his movies. Yeah, but he, but... he likes really uh, unusual films. Yeah. And... I don't know. It, I, pff, his criticisms were goofy. But did you yeah. see uh, what? Uh, what's the director's name of that movie? Uh, David Robert Mitchell. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, David Robert Mitchell. David Robert Mitchell. What he said back? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was uh, totally respectful. Yeah. What did he say? Uh, 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 shoot, no. It's something I about I can me. pick. A, uh, don't worry. I have about eight things I want to say to you about. Such well, and it such. was it was something along the lines of like, hey, we should get coffee sometimes because I have notes for you too. Yeah. You know. Just put um, him in his place. Yeah, I mean, because especially, like, it's the guy's first big film, yeah. and he went and made something that was, look, if you don't love it, fine, but it's definitely it is pretty unique, unique and, and daring, and there's a lot of really neat stuff in that movie. Um, that, that nitpicking, I actually totally disagree with Quentin Tarantino. I feel like the rules are very well established, um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, it's beside the point. It's just always weird to me anytime that an artist goes out and, like, Seeks out to sort of throws down like down. that in a weird way, yeah. you know. And I don't know if that's how it was intended, I you know, but that's just the way it comes off. Um, because why why that movie and not the million other movies that came out this year? Like, why did you pick that one? Was it because that one was popular, or was it in your your wheelhouse, or you know, were you just like, hey, what? How come you know my friend Eli Roth is going to make a horror movie this year finally, and everybody's going to be talking about this other movie? I don't know. Yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do anyway, you say? Uh, unless I missed anything else, except for all the Star Wars speculation, um, that's news. Cool. Blu-rays. Cool. When did you move in? About five years ago. By the power of Christ, God. Point Break or Bad Boys 2? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. Cool.
great. The shittiest movie of the year is coming out. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, are you are you talking about Star Wars Rebe- Rebels season one? Is that what you're talking? What about? a lovely day. No. No. Oh, okay. Are you? Oh, oh, oh. You're talking about um, uh, Peter Pan with Mary Martin. Mm-hmm. Oh. So not Mary Martin or or not Peter Pan. Okay. Um, is the worst movie of the year? Uh, is it Boulevard, starring Robin Williams? <laughs> uh, which I don't know what that is, but uh, it almost seems like Robin Williams like completed, well, kind of completed a lot of movies, and like, fuck, we got to get these out. Yeah, I, it is weird that he he's like the Tupac of film. <laughs> like, uh, maybe it's too soon to make that joke, but no? he he keeps making movies. It's like James Gandolfini. They keep saying James Gandolfini's last film. Then there's like six months later, <laughs> like, oh yeah, he was know. also in this one. <laughs> like, how many romantic comedies did he do before he died? Um, Lost After Dark is coming out this week, uh, which looks like some kind of crazy horror movie thing. Is this a? It's not a Scream Factory, right? I've never heard of it. Okay. It it looks like one of those off-brandy Scream Factory ones. I didn't see any Scream Factory releases for this week. Um, unless, what was the one you were saying? Was- As maybe it does come out for a few weeks. Shocker. That's a Wes Craven film. Huh. But I know it's coming out. It's a collector's edition. I don't remember when, though. Huh. Yeah, I didn't see. Usually those are pretty cl- close. Oh, did you see that the Army of Darkness Scream Factory is now going to be a three-disc Blu-ray? No shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, three-disc cool. Blu-ray. That's pretty cool. And it's the first one I'm going to order directly from Scream Factory, because if you order from Scream Factory, you get them three weeks early. And a poster. The tagline for Lost After Dark is, and you thought the 80s were dead. What? I think it's a, like, intentionally, like, schlocky, you know, somebody trying to make an 80s slasher film. Oh, gotcha. You know, I don't think it's actually an old movie. Okay, here, I think, okay, here we go. Uh, this is the, the the movie you were referencing, the worst movie of the year. Maybe it's this movie. It's called Backcountry, and it's about a woman who's Didn't lost in the woods. Yeah, they, uh, did they? I've heard only good things about it, so. it. It looks like it's about a giant ghost bear that's chasing it's a woman. It's about a man-eating bear, right? Well, it's a regular bear, and yeah, someone gets horribly eaten on it in it. So no, it's no, no, pretty no, gruesome. no, no, no. I'm I'm looking at the cover right now. It's clearly <laughs> about a giant ghost bear. Well, then they would call it Ghost Bear, James. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we should oh, make a movie we need to called make Ghost, Ghost Bear. Bear. Realness present uh, Ghost Bear. So, so <laughs> it does have his boo is as bad as his bite. <laughs> uh, it does have four stars on or on Amazon. I think it's eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It only has four reviews on Amazon, but still. Rotten Tomatoes it's eighty nine percent. Shit. All right. Cool. I wanted to see it because it was at C Film Center, and I remember because I was trying to figure out what was coming out, and Brad said. Well, my parents saw Backcountry and said it was disgusting, so there's that. I was like, maybe I do need to see that. <laughs> or wh- wh- how would your parents describe it? Was it disgusting? Like violent? Something like that? Uh, Yeah, just like obviously the guy gets eaten by the bear, so. Cool. And it's, it's graphic as hell, so. Of course we got to see it. Totally. <laughs> I'm right. still reeling over not seeing that guy get eaten in Grizzly Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Werner Herzog. <laughs> Ten years Fuck later, you. I will have my revenge. <laughs> I sat through two hours <laughs> watching some crazy guy cry about dead bees, and all I wanted to do was see him get eaten. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, maybe the worst movie, if that's not it, maybe the worst movie of the year that you're referencing is Army of Frankensteins. The tagline is The North, The South, The Undead, which if you haven't picked up on it yet, this is a movie about Frankenstein monsters during the Civil War. Cool. Was the original book written during the Civil War? <laughs> No, I think Frankenstein was written in the 1790s. Oh, from Revolutionary Shelley. War. Yeah. 
Does that sound right? I think that's right. It's got it's got a really bad Abraham Lincoln in it. Hey, English major, where was Frankenstein written? Dude, I don't know. I haven't read it. What do you read in English if major if you uh, do read that? A, a lot of Edith Wharton, man. I read a lot of <laughs> Edith Wharton. You want to talk about Ethan Frome? I can talk about no, Ethan Frome. No, I'm good, Frome. thanks. Yeah, no one does. This is a pretty cool looking movie. I'm I, on the cover. I'm sure it's complete dog shit. Uh, if um, you want to, get, I think Blu-ray.com has a review for it. I didn't click on it, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, the movie that I am gonna buy this week is gonna be Mad Max Fury Road. Hell yeah! I already so bought it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got a still book. What does a still book look like, Brad? I'm so, I forgot. Um. It's it looks like a steel book. <laughs> no, what's the cover right? Oh, um, it's uh, it's got Mad Max with his back to the camera, and then the whole uh, Immortan Joe uh, car army like driving up to him. Oh, sweet! Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is really cool. Oh man, I, I ordered the three D version yeah, off Amazon because I thought the cover looked cooler than the regular edition. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do, but I might just get the steel book edition instead. You see that? Oh yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah. man, I I hate you, Brad. Uh, Carson cool. asked me what I thought the best movie of the year was today, and I couldn't pinpoint it yet. Yeah, so now I'm going to start thinking. Um, yeah, it's rough. Uh, there's I I've got a couple in mind yeah. already. It's um, not even worth choosing. I mean, you still got Spectre and Star Wars coming out. So and Bridge of Spies. Yeah, yeah. I like honestly. But yeah, but I mean, they still say what yeah. you think the best of like right now is and. It's hard because ha- I don't think about it until starting to get into December. Yeah. I start organizing my thoughts for our pause, film explosion. Yeah. We're getting close, though. It's, yeah. you know. Which I think Henry's going to join us this year, so. Oh, very cool. He cool. sees a lot of movies. and Yeah, he does. He sees a lot of the movies we don't see. Yeah. You know. Um, so, that's cool. Anyway. Just uh, drop those outside, Kellen. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, I mean, except for like some, some bullshit seasons and some TV shows that nobody cares about, like The Vampire Diaries. Cool. Um, I think that's everything. And there's an eight movie action pack box set of Steven Seagal films. Nice. Is uh, it- this is the comic book you should read this week. Hey, man. Read this. I told you, I don't like horror comics. Think of it more as a survival manual. There's a number on the back. And pray you never need to call us. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. So I got a cool one. Cool. When I was at Denver Comic Con, I interviewed Marguerite Bennett, and you can find that interview at realnerdspodcast.com just search Denver Comic Con and Marguerite Bennett she wrote a comic called DC Bombshells Um, oh yeah DC about a year ago did these variant covers of what they called bombshells which is like they're super heroines um, from the 1950s so like Batgirl is this ace fighter pilot Um, Batwoman plays like on a League of Their Own kind of style baseball team Uh, all this kind of stuff so the first issue came out last week, and it's really fun. It's it's basically what happens if all the superhero were actually superhero women. Okay. So there's no superhero man. So there's no Batman. It's Batwoman. There's, so it's, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, basically. But it takes place in the 50s. And oh, cool. each uh, there's three parts in each comic. 
and each part deals with a different superhero. So, um, and they're each tonally different. So, like, the Batwoman one is kind of a noir crime one. Yeah. Uh, the Wonder Woman one is like a raw, raw recruiting. It's really cool. Cool. Um, the art is wonderful in it. Uh, I would definitely, hopefully there's still copies available. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, it's a fun little comic that I just decided to pick up because I had a lot of fun talking to Marguerite Bennett. She's really nice and she doesn't look, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but she doesn't look like a woman who writes comics because she's. What super, do women who like comics look like, Ryan? No, I mean, cause she's like super bubbly and I don't know if it's the right way to describe it. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. it doesn't seem, I, I don't know how to describe it. But she's like a really nice lady. Not that any comic book writers are not, but uh, there, she, there are some. There are a lot of actually. I would say uh, uh, the majority of of comic book writers are not really nice women. <laughs> Most of them are men. That are unfortunately pretty nice. A lot of them are nice. Yeah, I actually have never met a mean comic book person. Have you? No, because I've never met Alan Moore. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> My work is so important. You can't adapt it. Fuck you. Uh, anyway, so pick up DC Bombshells at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Ask for Andrew. Uh, I'm sure sometimes if he doesn't have copies on the floor, ask him. He might have one lying yeah. around. Yeah. Sometimes he doesn't, but usually he does. I usually don't have problems when I say, do you have this for me, Andrew? He said, fuck, yes. And if he doesn't, then he'll recommend something else awesome yep. for you. So yeah, DC Bombshells. That's a fun one. But you also got, what'd you get, uh... Angel and Faith book three. Oh yeah. Well, it's actually it's the the second library edition. Library edition. Um, which that one's pretty good. It's 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 gorgeous. It's only, um, it's only the family, uh, the family matters run, which mm-hmm. is one trade, and then the second half of it is the A Dark Place, um, the Spike series. So, uh, that's the one that ends. That's the series where they go to. Uh, oh, what's the name of that that dimension where? Where Connor oh, lives for forever. I don't know. The art in it's amazing. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the first time we ever get to see that dimension. Like, Rebecca Isaacs got yeah. to invent what that thing looks like. Um, and Her monster designs are really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, and so my hope is that book three is going to come with uh, the Willow miniseries in it as well. Um, I did tweet at Rebecca Isaacs, though, because that, that second run, Family Matters, has got my favorite cover, which mm-hmm. is the one, um, if she ever comes back to Denver Comic-Con, fingers crossed, I might get her to sign it, because it's got... Uh, it's the one you'll remember with Faith and Angel riding in the in the car with the top down. Oh yeah, the, yeah and you've yeah, got yeah. the reflection of the Hollywood one. sign in the door, and like, oh, it's just so cool. Um, and she she retweeted it, and I, I went back and I looked. She doesn't retweet very many things, so she doesn't use Twitter much at all. So yeah, I'm just you know, just. I mean, she out. did remember me after our interview, but I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, Rebecca. Come back to Denver Comic. Yeah, we want to interview you again, and I hopefully we're you. better. She's like, I'm not coming back to those creepazoids. <laughs> yeah. They keep talking about me on their podcast. They're clearly weirdos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, uh, this is what we've been watching. Yeah. Are either one of these any good? Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. <laughs> you tired yet? <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's getting there. He gets tired and then he gets all like wound up. Yeah.
Yeah. Uh, James, what, uh, did you want to go last? Because you said you have a lot. I, I can go whatever. I can go first. Okay, go. Cool. Um, so watched a few things. I finished the, the second season of Halt and Catch Fire this week, uh, which continues to be really great. Season two basically ends up being about, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. what? Should I leave? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, no, no, no. It, I'll just say season two is a lot more about like, um, video games in the late eighties. Um, cool. so it's, it's pretty neat. It's got a lot of like, so they're building an Atari this time. Uh, no, they're working on a Commodore 60, uh, 2600. I used to, my oh, no, used to have yeah, a Commodore 64. Yeah, 64. Yeah. Sorry. And my favorite game was called, uh, three blind mice. It's basically a Pac-Man ripoff. Um, so the, it's, it's, it's really solid. They, they do some things that really twist up the characters in some really great ways. I mean, did you, have you finished the first season yet? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, based on the way the first season ends, that like, they're, the second season is going to be markedly different. Um, and it's not quite what you think, um, but it's, it's just really fascinating. It's good because the ways that it's not what you think based on the end, like, you think at the end of the first season, like, everything's on fire, literally, and uh, you think that, like, you, they're not going to be able to recover. And the way that it shifts is really that the it's a, it's a character-based shift. So the characters actually end up, like, they start season two in a very different emotional place than they left. Um, like, they seem like slightly different people, uh, which is really cool. It just gives them all a bit more depth. Um, so, I highly recommend Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, my parents actually, I recommended it to them, and they burned through season one and then burned through season two and beat me to the end of the show. <laughs> and so, for the past, like, week and a half, every time I see them, they're like, have you got, have you finished it yet? Like, are you, are you there? I'm like, no, no, not yet. Um, so, uh, before we went and saw Turbo Kid at the Alamo, they are also showing a movie called The End of the Tour. Uh, which is a movie about David Foster Wallace. Uh, it's Jason Siegel plays David Foster Wallace, who's a writer. Um, he's very much like a, he basically looks like Eddie Vedder if Eddie Vedder were like a English professor. Um, and David Foster Wallace wrote this thousand page long book called, uh, <laughs> that's a mixture of Creed and Eddie Vedder. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was not entirely Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, I wrote a book today. <laughs> I decided to throw it away. <laughs> so, uh, it tells the story of Jesse Eisenberg is a writer for Rolling Stone, uh, who convinces them to let him do an interview with where he's going to go Jesse and basically. Eisenberg came and interviewed me. <laughs> he, he rides in the car, uh, and follows David Foster Wallace and interviews him during the last couple of stops for his book tour for Infinite Jest, um, which was a thousand page long book that like immediately became... Did you read it, English major? I have not read Infinite Jest. This movie made me go buy Infinite Jest. Oh, did it? Uh-huh. Cool. It really did. Um, and so it's, it's really a two hour movie of, of Jesse Eisenberg and, uh, and Jason Siegel just talking. Um, and Jesse, Eisenberg's here. They're, they're both, they're, both of them are first named David, so I can't just call them by their characters' names. Um, so Jesse Eisenberg is trying to learn as much about, uh, Jason Siegel's character as he can. And what's really fascinating is that there's, they build a lot of tension in this movie, considering that it's just an interview, and that they generally like each other, but there are these 
insecurities and just sort of idiosyncrasies to who David Foster Wallace is in this movie, I should say, um, that just cause them to get suspicious of each other. And there are certain things that, you know, as, as I think the complication here and what's really great about the movie is that these two guys really become friends really quickly. Um, but at the end of the day, Jesse Eisenberg is there for his job and he has to dig into some really personal things about David Foster Wallace. And he has to ask some questions that he knows his readers are going to want to hear that are not necessarily the kinds of things that, you know, burgeoning friends are going to want to talk about. Um, and it's a, it's a really great movie. A lot of really funny scenes. One of the things that the movie does really well is that, um, Jesse or Jason Siegel is so good as, David Foster Wallace here, and he's so, he just, he's stealing every single scene. Like, the dialogue is really fun and snappy, and his character is very lovable, and they spend very little time, or they waste very little time getting to that, you know? Like, in some movies, like, a character like that, it might be a while before you finally get to talk to him, um, but this one, it's like, it's like ten minutes of setup, maybe five. How long ago after this did uh, Wallace commit suicide? Um, so he committed suicide in 2008, and this movie takes place in the late 90s? Mm. So it was a while. Yeah, I mean... Late, I guess. Yeah, um, it was only a few... And the movie starts with that. Um, they don't... They, they bookend the movie with his death. Hmm. Uh, so it starts with... I mean, spoilers, but the opening shot is Jesse Eisenberg getting the call that David Foster Wallace has killed himself, and then he goes and gets the tapes that he has, because he went, while he's there, he's got this tape recorder. I mean, he's recording it on cassette tapes, to give you some idea. Uh, not on his mm. iPhone. Um, and so he's got all these old cassette tapes. And the one thing that I wish this movie did is that because it's based on a true story and because they, these tapes are real, I, I so wish that there was just a snippet of the actual tape at the end. Mm. I don't know if they're, you know, there are things that the guy, that the actual David uh, Letsky or whatever his last name is, uh, maybe he doesn't want that stuff released. Um, because they do seem really personal. Um, there's some really cool moments. Uh, it's actually in the trailer. There's this really cool moment where David Foster Wallace is left alone with the tape and he talks to the tape recorder. Um, which is, of course, a thing that just, just the idea of Jesse Eisenberg's character finding that after he's done this long interview and story and hearing this intimate moment would, it would be pretty special. So, um, it's too bad that they didn't share some of that, but, uh, I highly recommend it. It's a really great little movie. Um, cool. and with amazing performances. Um, so I also watched, uh, a movie that, uh, Henry actually recommended, um, and that you lent me your copy of, which is We Came to, or They Came Together, uh, which is the David Wayne, Michael Showalter movie with, that stars, um, uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd and that woman I don't like. Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. Um, who, I mean, She's really good in this movie. Yeah. I need to figure out what disease I have that makes <laughs> me look at her and just go, I don't like you. It's like um, me and Reese Witherspoon. Something about her chin. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just, I just, I just find her, I find everything she does less funny because it's her. <laughs> I, I, it's totally unfair of me. I, I can't help it. Um, but the, uh, uh, movie's really great. Basically, it's what you need to know if you're going to watch it is it is, it is a sarcastic, borderline sardonic look at um, 
Romantic comedies. Uh, romantic comedies yeah. Where, like, everything is just so on the nose. It is. And, uh, like, it's all the things you just hate about romantic comedies. I just love um, that Michael Ian Black comes and he's like, I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. No, yeah, he's like, <laughs> no, he walks into the room and he's like, uh, is your, is your girlfriend back at the apartment alone? And he's like, yeah, why? And he's like, uh, uh, no reason. I mean, there's a bowl of condoms by the door. They're open. Yeah, they're, all, they're, they're open. So he picks one up, twirls it on his finger like a basketball and says, no reason. And he walks back out. <laughs> and you're just like, what? And then, you know, lo and behold, like the next scene is him finding out that Michael Ian Black is having an affair with his girlfriend. But before um, that, too, he also throws a football to his friend and goes out the window. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. And yeah. They're in like a high rise <laughs> corporate right. building. It's so weird. Well, and just the, I mean, even the corniness of when those two guys, or when, when that friend first shows up in the office building and, uh, and they start like throwing the football to each other. Yeah. Even that in its own is really funny because you're like, oh god, I hate those scenes. Or yeah, it's it's like the one from the beginning of Cabin in the Woods, right? Yeah. Where you're just like, what? How come when two dudes get in a room in movies, they throw footballs at each other? Like, what or, is this bullshit? It's just everything is so sugary about that movie on purpose. Oh, yeah. And if you don't get the joke, you're gonna hate the movie. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a scene where Paul Rudd's in the shower singing. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Oh yeah, no, they're both they're they're both singing. Oh, that's it's split right. screen, and so he's on one screen and she's on the other. Um, but all the lines like you know, someone must a- have taken my costume off me, put it on, and shit in it. Which and then that's nothing. a joke they reuse in <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer, the TV show. Like they redo the exact same joke. That one actually frustrated me because it's almost beat for beat like the same. You know, somebody comes in and says, like, hey, we found your costume and it's got shit in the pants. Like, you left it in the room. Like, what, what happened? Why, why did we find this thing with shit in the pants? And they, like, awkwardly go through this whole defense, you know, and somehow the guy who shit in his pants gets out of it. Um, but even like this, the, the line at the beginning where he talks about, um, it's almost like New York was a character in my life. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't even feel like I needed a man because I felt like I was dating New York. And you're just like, oh, I hate <laughs> these movies. I hate <laughs> them so much. You've got males really good though. Did, did you like, uh, they came together? Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I totally like it. Um, it's really, you know, it's, it's not as good as Wet Hot American Summer, but, uh, it's, I'm surprised how much I like these, the, this silly, um, sense of humor because it's not usually my thing yeah it's just bizarre and awesome yeah um yeah there's just a there's a few just completely weird moments in that movie but i think it's on it's amazon prime for free if you've got amazon prime um so check it out there uh and then the very last thing is i saw uh a hbo special or film i don't know what you want to call it uh made by hbo um, called The Sunset Limited, which stars Tommy Lee Jones and um, Samuel L. Jackson. And it's based on a play written by Cormac McCarthy. Uh, that basically, it, it tells the story of... Uh, it just The whole movie is, is just in Samuel L. Jackson's apartment, uh, or his character's apartment. And um, the two guys are sitting across the table, and what we start... What we learn throughout the film is that... Uh, this isn't spoilers. This is pretty quick. Um, we learned that basically Tommy Lee Jones tried to throw himself in front of a train that morning, um, which is the Sunset Limited. And he ends up uh, getting saved by Samuel L. Jackson's character. And uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character 
is basically, um, I wouldn't say kidnapping him, but <laughs> sort of holding him hostage uh, in his apartment, trying to just psychoanalyze him and figure out, like, why are you trying to kill him, to kill yourself? Um, and it's basically an hour and a half of two people with very differing worldviews talking about sort of the way they see the world and the where they do or don't find hope in their lives. Um, and it's all just, it never leaves the apartment. It's, it's a straight up, a uh, very small two person play. Um, the characters don't even have names. They're, they're literally booked as black and white. Um, I'll let you guess which one's which. Samuel Jackson, white. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I highly recommend it. If you've got HBO Go, it's on there. Um, it's a, it's a really good little movie. Um, so, so definitely worth checking out. If you, if you have a problem with Cormac McCarthy's general nihilism or the depressing nature of the things that he writes, maybe don't see this movie. Um, but I think it's really cool and challenging. And, um, it's one of those movies where they both sort of leave not necessarily believing the things that they started with. So, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. So that is what I watched this week. Brad? Cool, Brad. Um, I've actually forgotten to talk about a lot of things that I I missed. uh, You have seven documentaries to talk about in a row? No, not that bad. (laughs) Um, uh, Like a month ago, I forgot I watched Wing Commander. Oh, shit. (laughs) Which uh, I was curious about because I hated it when it came out. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. And I had a different, different brain back then. No, it's terrible. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there going like, oh, I wish this was the game. It's like with Starship. Mark Hamill in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they made it with Mark Hamill in it and like dudes dressed up like uh, cats, that would be great. Yeah. And those animatronic cats were way better than the animatronic, I don't know what they were mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Um, that movie's but, like, that movie's like Starship Troopers without any of the fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like Starship Troopers if it took itself seriously. It's Frey Prince Jr., Matthew Lillard. They're like buddy pilots and every sounds horrible obviously freddie prince jr is the chosen one um he's like from this race of explorers that people hate so he's just getting picked on all the time um and then yeah the Kilrothi are trying to take down whatever resistance they're doing and they have to they have to the whole uh movie is this quest for like this codex box yeah which has all the Kilrothi codes built into it or something it's potentially kind of a cool you, like it seems like something you could have made a cool movie out of, and yet I, I didn't. Think... They made them into games. Well, yeah, <laughs> the games are more fun to watch. Yeah, uh, than this thing. Uh, yeah, so even super pixelated and compressed, like they are, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I'm not even sure the director even like ever did research on the game. No, I'm it's, sure it's, this movie is so different from the game. Yeah. Um, and then another movie from like the early 2000s that I saw in the theater and then like passed on was Hollywood Homicide. Oh, snap. With uh, Harrison Ford and Josh Hartnett. Yeah. And why did you watch that again? Because I was like, was this as bad as I remember? And yes. yeah, like I was, I didn't, I haven't even finished it. It makes Firewall look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, Harrison. Yeah, Firewall is actually kind of awesome, but. Yeah. Yeah. Says the guy who just watched uh, Hollywood <laughs> Homicide. Like you just made my point. But yeah, they're they're two cops, and Harrison Ford has a side job as a real estate agent, so he's constantly trying to like sell real estate to the 
people he captures. Which seems illegal. Yeah. I don't think you can. Ryan, you're you're a cop now. Is it illegal to sell real estate to the people in your police car? Oh, probably. <laughs> and I forget what Josh Hartnett does. Like he's a yoga guy for. Is his hair part not combed? <laughs> <laughs> Is um, that your criticism of Josh Hartnett? Okay, that he can't comb his hair. <laughs> Next time. If you ever see Josh Hartnett in a movie, no, notice his hair. It's probably not combed. It probably is. I'm just saying. No, is that, it's not. No, I mean, it, I'm, you're, yeah, I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. It, it probably is not combed. You're right. Um, I just think it's funny that your criticism of him as an actor is like, the guy can't comb his hair. <laughs> and he also is like, I'm hot in a dirty kind of way. Look at me in this elevator. I kill people in this elevator. It's a Sin City reference. And so the real plot is when they're he's not selling real estate, they're trying to track down this guy who killed the rapper, so whatever. The the rapper? There's a rapper that gets murdered. He just kills a, a rapper, not Someone like Someone just walks into a club, shoots it up, and kills like or, you know, In Hollywood? In Hollywood, yeah. Oh you mean Tupac? Uh maybe. Uh maybe Tupac died in Las Vegas. Inspired by Whatever. So yeah. And then Where I also did Biggie watched... die? Detroit? Mm, I think New York, I don't know. Um uh, Hard hardball with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I also watched Assassins with Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and Antonio Banderas, and that movie's kind of ridiculous, but okay. it's not as bad as the other two. I think it's two. kind of a fun, ridiculous though. Better, yeah. better, or worse than X versus Sever? I haven't seen X versus Sever, oh, but okay. I'm just gonna go on a limb and say it's better. <laughs> wow. All right. Because uh, X versus Sever is not good. Uh, Antonio Banderas is just like off the chain, like. Bang! You got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much like that. Like he's crazy, as like the the assassin who wants to take down Sylvester Stallone, who's been the uh, you know the the lead assassin forever. Um, and yeah, then uh, Sylvester Stallone's character realizes that the guy who's been hiring him to do jobs has all has put a hit out on him. So Stallone has to figure out. Um, you know why, and also avoid Antonio Banderas, who's trying to take him down. Right, and then Julianne Moore's in it as this uh, hacker chick. Is uh, she naked in it? I'm out. I'm no. out. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, that's, I, I mean, that's usually almost all her movies, except for Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> he agreed. Colin thought that was funny. <laughs> Great jab on Julianne Moore, Dad. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's typical '90s action movie, like yeah, everything's. There's like slow mo and stuff and uh, explosions and right. crazy stunts. Uh, at one point, he's riding the. Uh, it's in, it takes place in Seattle, and one, at one point, he's riding the monorail. Stallone just jumps out of the monorail and onto like the roof of a building. Okay. <laughs> he just stops the train. <laughs> awesome. Just jumps out. Cool. It's great. Walks down the alley, getting gets in Julianne Moore's car. Yeah. This monorail. This monorail stops wherever I need it yeah. to. Well, she was following him, so I guess it wasn't that convenient. But yeah. Uh, then I also watched uh, The Guest. Oh, dude. Which, I didn't hate it. It's not a bad movie. I just, Ryan built it up so much that I Brad movie's awesome. didn't like it. meet my expectations. Did you know, but the music see, you'd, good. Heard, you'd heard us talk about it. Huh? Did we, when we've talked about that movie, did we spoil? No, I, I mean, I wasn't not surprised by anything. Other than the fact, that, like, oh, he's... He's a, a science experiment gone wrong. Like that was a little odd, but did you know that he was spoilers for the guest? Did you know he was the bad guy starting the movie? No. Okay. Good. Whew. 
Yeah. I was sitting there going like, Yizzy, what's going on? Yeah. That's kind of the fun thing for me is the fact that like you start that movie and you think it's, you think it's taken and then it's very much not taken. <laughs> Remember when he walks into the party carrying the keg over his shoulder? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He's even sexier in Downton Abbey. Drinking tea. <laughs> and dipping biscuits into the tea. That's what they call cookies in England. <laughs> <laughs> they also call fries chips. I know. What the fuck is that about, bro? Uh, uh, so yeah, they, they actually teach you what that's about in Downton Abbey. There's a whole episode. Probably. It's kind of like the episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood where they teach you about crayons. It's exactly like that, only British. <laughs> then the end has that haunted house thing where I'm like, I've never known any high school budget to be able to make a haunted house like that at school. Uh, What if it was a small town where the school was the only place where you could have any kind of haunted house? I doubt they get that kind of funding in small town. So you think about that stuff in movies? I don't think about something. <laughs> what if that movies? small town were owned by Steve Jobs? Only because I've always wanted that, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we had it once at Ralston in fourth grade. It was amazing. I've never seen it again. All I wanted in life, and you're bitter about it. The Denver haunted houses can't even compare to that one. <laughs> Your fourth grade Ralston. <laughs> yeah. I do remember when me and me and Brad went to like, was it Legend of Slasher Gulch or something? Where they had a bunch of like horror icons, slashers, and they were smaller than Brad, chasing <laughs> us around like Jason. Because they were like eighth graders. Yeah. Yeah. I would just put my hand out on their head and just hold them back. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you. I'll get you. Yeah. Sure you will. Uh, Go back to class. Of, instead, of a, instead of a chainsaw, it's like a, one of those little tree trimmers. With a, it's like a jigsaw blade. <laughs> um, and that reminds me, I, I forgot to write it down, but I also watched The Sacrament, which is Ty West's like third movie. Hmm. I think it's the third movie. Um, he did House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. Yeah. Um, and this is not those movies. It's uh <laughs> It's called The Sacrament. It's like um a docu it's a fake documentary about a guy who goes to a cult to like his sister invites him to go to this cult and he works for like some BuzzFeed ripoff. So they're like, Oh, we're gonna like exploit you know the ridiculousness of this cult and also i'm gonna get to see my sister yeah type thing so he invites like his bros to go film it with him and right away they get to they have to be blindfolded and they show up like in the jungle and then uh they're greeted by guys with like ak-47s who don't you know don't know who they are and like uh, don't want them there and then uh they eventually get out of it and his sister shows up and you know, they go through this walkthrough of the camp and like everything's sweet and everything's fine. Everyone's happy. And you meet all these people who are like, you know, you find out why they all decided to come to this camp mm -hmm. based on whatever situation they had in life. Generally, things are all nice. But then like the cult leader comes out and um, he seems like a good dude, but he has this interview. And then uh, the interviewee starts to make it awkward with his like he's probing too hard. Um uh, only because he wants to like do an investigative report, but obviously the cult leader is getting really defensive. Mm -hmm. So, and then like after that, just like things go downhill, and it's just like the whole movie is just he shows up, and then shit goes crazy, and people die, and that's the end of the movie. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. I, I was bored. Huh. Um, like it's literally like they go there, they talk to some people, and then uh, people get wasted and murdered, and yeah, the movie's over. <laughs> No, no. So the real question is like, do they make it out or alive or not? Like, there's no. Yeah. There's no like examination of like why these people are damaged or nothing and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, and then, so there's this like 25 year mystery I've had about um 
you know, my friend Adam and I got into anime like in high school. Okay. He's like, you know, have you ever seen any anime before? And I said like, well, when I was a little kid, uh, there was like something on the Disney Channel. I can't remember what it was, but it was like there was this girl and she would turn into she like she could turn into a unicorn, I think, but also she turned back into a human and then she like went to this like haunted castle. Okay. Um, and like fell in love with this crazy like vampire king. Okay. And people would usually tell me like, oh, you're probably thinking of the last unicorn. Like, yeah, maybe it doesn't seem like an anime though. Uh, like that anime style, but it is animated. So I guess that's, that's right. And I watched it and that kind of does happen. Like the girl can transform an unicorn or she is a unicorn. She transformed into a girl and she goes to a castle with a king and the prince and stuff. So I just accepted that that was it. But then I was just randomly browsing on YouTube and it sent me a link to a cartoon called the, the legend of Unico. Okay. Does anyone know what this is? No. It sounds like a fever dream. I thought it was. Like, <laughs> and like throughout my life, I was like, well, it was probably Vampire Hunter, Vampire Hunter D. And then I watched it. I was like, no, nah, that's not it. And then it's like, Last Unicorn. I'm like, I guess it could be. Maybe my brain is just not working right. Yeah. But no, it's totally this. Okay. It was, it's from like 1984. So the timeline makes sense. Sure. Um, It's like this little, cute little anime unicorn thing. And uh, um, it goes... Like, the Greek gods are annoyed that, like, it can make people happy. So okay. they send it away. So they send Unico away, and, like, the West Wind takes... The West Wind is, like, this... Uh, wind from the West? But it's, like, a person, but it's oh. the wind, you know? It's a anthropomorphized right. wind, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it takes Unico away and just dumps him near the ocean where there's, like, this uh, demon kid uh, who has no friends, and... Like, Unico's power is to, like, make people happy. Yeah. Um, and, so, and to turn into a unicorn. Man, yeah. I don't know what the fuck you just said, but you're special. <laughs> <laughs> so he meets this demon kid, and the demon kid wants Unico's horn. And uh, Unico's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't give you my horn. And then I forget, but he just takes it and puts it on his head. <laughs> so he's got it. And then, like, Unico, like, falls into the ocean and then gets swept away. And then, like, the demon kid doesn't want to help him. And then he, like, the demon kid goes back to his cave and starts, like, being lonely and realizing, oh, you know, I should help him. He was my friend. So he tries to go save him. But then Unico's already washed away, like, down to this other part of the world. And he encounters, like, this little kitty cat who wants to be a witch. <laughs> and then the shit is they happening. become friends and... um like the kitty witch, basically Unico runs into people who are creatures who, how to describe this, he, it's like a one-way friendship. Like he'll do everything for them, Brad, what but they'll the neglect him. what the is this him. movie you're talking about? Are you trying to tell us you're doing drugs now? <laughs> yeah. Is this, are you and trying so, to come out? It's a unicorn named Unico. Yeah. Yeah, and and its demon friend who stole its unicorn yeah, horn the demon is trying to find him. Meanwhile, it's... Swept away to another planet. No, not another planet. It's another land. Wh that, whatever, land. whatever. Yeah. Right? To so another country. It goes to Hobbiton. And in Hobbiton, there's a cat that wants to be a witch. There's a cat floating down the stream in a box. And he meets the cat. <laughs> and the cat does like this little so song about how... the cat is Moses. And it wants to be a witch. <laughs> sure. So then they stumble on this house. And uh, Unico, like the cat wants to be a witch. So Unico grants 
her the wish, so she becomes a human being. So um, Unicorn can also grant witches like a genie. Wishes, yes. To become <laughs> Sorry, a witch. not witches. <laughs> yeah. Can grant witches, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so then they summon this house with this old woman who the kitty girl thinks is a witch. So she wants to be the woman's apprentice, but she's just a regular old lady who can't, who's blind and she can't see. Okay. So that's ageist. Yeah. And then the, uh, the kitty girl does chores for her until she finally just gets bored and was, you know, she realizes I've outgrown her training. I'm just going to be a witch. And then she travels to this castle where there's a vampire prince. <laughs> right. 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 Just yeah. like in the fever dream. And, uh, his only, his one dimension of the character is he's going to seduce this girl. And like, uh, not even bite her on the neck, but just seduce her. Yeah. Yeah. So the she, girl being Unico. Yeah. He gets her drunk, feeds her a bunch of wine. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. This is a kid's movie. Guess this girl. She's a human girl now. She's not a kitty anymore. She's like a human kid girl. And Unico, uh, I forget what happens. Why he's not, uh, it doesn't matter. I think he's trying to get into the castle, but he can't for some reason. Okay. Sure. He or she. Uh, and then finally, like, he does, and they have this battle, like, the vampire king gets mad, and he transforms into, like, this huge, crazy demon. Um, and then Unico transforms into, a, like, a real horse unicorn and fights him, and he gets, like, a, then the demon vampire turns, like, the rocks into serpents and stuff like that. And then the demon and the kitty girl have to team up to, like, help Unico, and he gets his horn back and stuff. And, yeah. Which is, like, the whole point of the story is, like, Brad, is it good? <laughs> it's only good in like a nostalgic kind of way. Like, <laughs> so, so you're recommending it to anybody who watched it while? I'm not recommending. It. I'm just telling a story, James. <laughs> I had this lingering question for years. Like, what the Whoa. fuck did I watch? <laughs> what was it called? I've googled the shit out of it, right, and not got a return until right. YouTube was like, here on a silver platter. Here's hey, Unico. It's Thursday. The Legend of Unico. Here's Unico, yeah. This thing you've wondered all, like for most of your life. Wow. The first anime you've watched. Wow. Here it is. You weren't asking for me to do it. I just did it for you. The internet's an amazing place. Isn't it? It's a magical place. Like I said, full of unicorns that grant witches, wishes yep. to cats. To cats. That want to be witches. And that girl ends up going back to the woman. Like, you know, the two characters that were shitty to Unico, you know, turn their lives around. Oh, good. Become better friends. And then Unico gets swept away by the West Wind again to go on a different <laughs> adventure. Wait, is it a show or a movie? How many adventures are they? It's going? a movie. It's like an so hour and thirty sequels? minutes. Are you gonna watch the sequel? There's a second one. I don't. You have to now. I just listened to twenty minutes of you explaining <laughs> this one. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. <laughs> All right. The real appeal of that one was just like reconnect with like what was this thing in my brain that I always pictured but couldn't put a name to. So, Brad, I missed it. Are we supposed to see this weird fucking movie? Uh, no, 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 no. The moral of the story is Brad found it. He's going to watch it, and then he's going to report back to us the weird, shitty fever dream stuff he's been watching. I already, I already watched the whole thing. No, I know, but you're going to see the second one. There's a second one, Ryan. It wasn't it's about his... recommending it. It was about... So it's about the accomplishment of finally yeah. finding he... out what the hell yeah, it he... was. Yeah, the... he found a thing that he saw a long time ago, and the internet, because it's made of magic. <laughs> it's so... ground-up unicorn horns. So how did you, I don't understand how YouTube knew that, to recommend that to you. I don't either. One does. It's not like I Googled unicorns, like, videos are ahead you, of it. Are you sure? <laughs> look me in the eyes, Brad. I, I, I Look me in the eyes. You don't look you're away. Right, you're don't right. Don't look away. Look me in the eyes and say, I typed I in unicorn and. 
I typed in unicorn porn, and this is what came up. Uh, my uh, my, yeah. my aunt and uncle once rented like at Christmas time. They rented some what they thought was like a kids animated movie about like uh like you know reindeer and stuff for Christmas. Um, and then at some point they noticed that like, and I've never found this movie. I should go figure out what it is in a similar way. They said they they ended up turning it off because they they realized like all of the girl reindeer all had like boobs and they were all being sexy <laughs> and so they turned it yes. off because it was their grandchildren i need you to figure out what that movie dancer is and prancer, comet and blitzen it's too early but do you recall the reindeer with the biggest tits of them all oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that it brad what else do you watch that's it. It's about the story. Cherry the big tit reindeer. Oh shit! <laughs> I forgot what I wa- something else I watched this week. Did you watch Cherry Two Thousand? So Real Nerds Rewind. <laughs> um Yeah. So I picked up Cherry Two Thousand on Blu-ray this week. And I watched it on Saturday. Uh Cherry Two Thousand sells the story. Cherry Two Thousand So we read the like synopsis of Cherry Two Thousand and it way undersells Cherry Two Thousand. Cherry Two Thousand is pretty awesome. And is people it? yeah, you should check it out. I will bring it to you. The um, when I say pretty awesome, I mean the idea of what Cherry 2000 wants to be is really awesome. The execution is less than is to be desired. Um, so, like, the action scenes could be cooler. Melanie Griffith could be... Hotter. Better. Um, <laughs> and No, no, this young Melanie Griffith is an attractive woman. I don't remember. You should watch Cherry 2000. Um, so, the actual story of Cherry 2000 is this dude... It's a, it's a, I would say it's a dystopian... Um, but what's interesting about it as a dystopian is that the main character is like in the, um, like in this future, he works in this recycling plant. So people bring all their stuff to recycle because there's not enough resources, right? But he, because he works for the recycling plant, he's actually really wealthy. His life is actually really good. Um, but specifically like romance in this world is pretty much gone. So like if two people are going to go out on a date, like they draw up contracts beforehand, they agree to exactly what the sexual encounter is going to be like, like their lawyers look at things like it's, it's just, there's no passion in it at all. And in the same way, this guy has a robot for a wife. So he has a cherry 2000, um, which is this really great robot wife, apparently, um, who is, pretty and brings like gives him when he gets home she's got like what looks like a shitty mid-80s mcdonald's hamburger on a plate for him and then she's gonna get him dessert um and she's she's so good in fact that she's got like i think what the movie's trying to say is that she's programmed so well that she feigns real human emotion and real human problems so like they have dinner and then like all of a sudden she just seems like stressed out or like something's concerning her. And she goes into the kitchen and she starts doing the dishes to clean up after him. And the, the dishwasher starts to overflow and he, or no, it doesn't yet. Like he comes over and he's like, what's wrong? And she just turns around and she's like, just, just, just kiss me. And they start making out. And then they, they start making out on the floor and the dishwasher's overflowing. Cause she's not real. Apparently she's not real good at doing the dishes. And so dishwasher overflows and she gets all this water inside of her robot parts and she breaks. So a chick he, not good at doing dishes. That's a design flaw. Anyway, so uh, he takes her to the robot doctor and the robot doctor's like, oh, dude, this shit's broken. And Cherry 2000s are really rare. You're not going to find another Cherry 2000. So he takes the CD out of her neck and he's like, but your wife is on this CD. 
It's a, don't worry, it's still the future. It's a real tiny CD, but it's a CD. So he's like, your wife is on this CD. If you find another Chariot 2000, you just pop this thing in, you'll have your wife back. And he's like, okay, cool. So uh, he decides he's going to go, or he hears this legend sort of about basically a warehouse full of Cherry 2000s on the other side of the wasteland, just like in every post-apocalyptic movie. And so he goes and he hires uh, E. Thompson, played by Melanie Griffith, and she's not a robot. She's a real woman with a fucking abundance of rocket launchers. And she drives a Ford Mustang, and uh, he hires her to drive him in her Ford Mustang across the wasteland to find the warehouse full of Cherry 2000s. So, uh, long story short... The action scenes are kind of lame, honestly. Like, they're so 80s. Um, like I said, there's a lot of shots with rocket launchers. There's a lot of bad guys shooting rockets at the Ford, um, hitting the Ford, and it just, like, blows up a, you know, like, basically, like a, like a pillow of, uh, a thing of smoke, you know, blows up on the side of the, tr- on the side of the car, but the car's fine. But then when she fires her rocket launcher, she blows up, like, whole fucking mountains. Like, I'm not kidding. There's a shot where she fires a rocket and there's, like, three dudes standing on a big, like, plateau. And the whole plateau just blows up. It's impressive. Um, so she has really powerful rocket launchers, I should say. Um, and they run into this dude who's... Maybe they're German rocket launchers, cowboy. <laughs> so, this is good. <laughs> uh, um, so the... Uh, uh, you <laughs> totally threw me off. The, one of the big problems with this movie is the production value of the villains. So, you know, as cheesy as, like, the Road Warrior is, like, at least the villains kind of look cool. You know? Like, they're all in assless chaps, which is really dated now. But, you know, you got dudes in masks and shit like that. The, the villains in this movie are all wearing, like, polo shirts and Tommy Bahama shirts. Like, yeah, like there's literally... The Wall Street dudes. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, they, <laughs> no, they're out in the middle of the wasteland. Yeah. Driving around in dune buggies. In Hawaiian shirts and like some, some like cargo shorts. Cool. Um, and then, and the villain is like, uh, I don't know what to compare him to. Uh, he's like a shitty Robert Redford. I don't know. Uh, just a normal looking dude though. Uh, and they just hang out in the desert. Um, anyway, uh, like the idea of this movie is really pretty cool. I, uh, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, they should remake this movie. Like, they could, you could make a really cool movie out of this. Cause the ideas are neat. Cause of course, I mean, you can predict that by the end, like, he, he finds the Cherry 2000, he puts the CD back in her, but now he's in love with Melanie Griffith, cause she's a real woman. Mm. Um, cause Cherry just sits in the back of the car and is like, you know, like, there's, there's a pretty funny action scene near the end where they're getting shot at, and Cherry's like, just laying there on the floor, like, like nothing's going on, you know, just waiting for them to do what's next. Um, so, because he gets, you know, he gets that, 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 he gets bitten by the, the action bug, and he wants something exciting in his life again. So, uh, it's pretty cool. You, I would say it's worth checking out at some point. Um, but not as good as, as it could be. So, sorry, Ryan. Please, James, be a dick. Um, yeah, I actually didn't watch too much this week. I watched the first episode of Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. And, it's like every zombie beginning movie. Okay. I mean, it's it's pretty well done. Uh, what what makes this one different from The Walking Dead? Uh, it takes place in Los Angeles. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it takes place when That's... Rick's in a coma, so you're finding out how the zombie outbreak started. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, they don't really 
explain where the zombie outbreak started. Which is good. But it's just, you know, a lot of people are sick and not very many people are coming to school. Then all of a sudden, more, less people are coming to school. And then there's zombies. Is on the pilot episode. Yep. <laughs> so right. the, the second one's just probably got done recording, so I'll be watching that. I mean, it's still good. I mean, it's still well made. Yeah. It's just, I mean, there's, to say that there's a memorable moment where you're saying, oh, this is, this is different. It's certainly not the first episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, is I mean, it's serviceable. And I mean, I'll watch him because I still like the world that it created, the yeah. Walking Dead created. And to see it in Los Angeles, so it's a little more urban, is yeah. kind of cool. Uh, yeah. So it's six episodes a season. I know they have a second one they already ordered for like 15 episodes. Okay. So, um, so I'll be watching it and hopefully it'll be, continue to be a well-made show. Uh, I rewatched Youth in Revolt. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember Youth in Revolt. That's the, um, Michael Sarah, I'm doing, I'm doing two characters. One of them's got a mustache movie. Yeah, he's a French character named Francois because he's in love with a girl who loves to speak French. Yeah. And uh, the movie I still think is really funny. Yeah. Uh, it's did a little we, goofy. Did we see that movie? Like We did. did we, yeah, we reviewed that movie. Yeah, it's, it's from 2010, or I believe. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of... Maybe we did it for Nibcast. Maybe. I can't remember. There's a lot of... Uh, Silly cameos like Zach Galifianakis is in it. Really? And he's pissed because he's <laughs> he sold a a clunker car to a bunch of Navy guys. Yeah. And so they come back and they want their money. And Michael Sarah's really great. He says, "Yeah, his name's Jerry. He'll probably be back in a little bit. You guys should probably rough him up a little bit." <laughs> and so when Michael Sarah tells him that, they go to on a camping trip. And when they come back, the sailors take apart the car and build it back inside the house. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just really goofy. Uh, yeah, it's it's really weird, and right in Michael Sarah's well wheelhouse. And, yeah, um, but it's I don't know, it's just a goofy movie, but I really enjoy it. You know, I always have fun watching it. Uh, and the last thing I well, I really didn't watch as much this week. I watched Adventures in Babysitting. Oh yeah, which I haven't seen in years. Yeah, and it's still a pretty fun movie. Uh, it's interesting because in the eighties, you guys have mentioned this a couple times before we have on the podcast. I mean, it's a big diss to call someone gay. So, uh, I remember now. Yeah. So there's a part where they call Thor a homo and they're all pissed off and they call each other fags. And it's just, it's weird because now it's just, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's yeah. That they just use it so loosely. Uh, yeah. And Elizabeth Shue stars as a babysitter who goes all over town and one thing leads to another. It's basically the eighties, like yeah. zany. She beats up some gay people. <laughs> no, not that. Uh, Chris Columbus directed it. Uh, oh, no way. Yeah, so it's, it has a, like, it has a good pace. I, I always think it's funny because, uh, Bradley Whitford's in it and he plays like the sexy guy. And I never yeah. thought of Bradley Whitford <laughs> as like the sexy guy before. Cause he's usually like the weasel politician guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I had fun watching it. Thor is in it. And here's who's, just the weaselly boyfriend. Yeah, here's just, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio plays Thor and it, he does not look like he does now. <laughs> you know, all skinny and golden hair. But yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. I, I laughed uh, a couple times. I can't remember the specific jokes, but it's still uh, Elizabeth Shue is, man, in the late 80s, she was gorgeous. She's a pretty lady. Yeah. I mean, she's still pretty now, but yeah, it's just, you know, that's the kind of girl I'd have a crush on growing up. And I did. 
I remember being in love with her. I loved her coat because she wore like a rainbow scarf. Uh, the soundtrack is really good, which I think if you're going to have a successful 80s movie, the soundtrack has to be really good. I think that's part of being a successful 80s film. Yeah. Uh, you have to have gangs in it. and <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Oh, no. And there's a Playboy in it that everyone says Elizabeth Shue is Miss March because it looks like her. Um, yeah, the movie's just fun. Like, I had a lot of fun watching it. I, I haven't seen it in years, and I just remembered little bits and pieces of it. Yeah. But I had a lot, a lot of fun going down. Remember loving it as a kid. And I still think the uh, the poster is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, a struzen. It is. I know. <laughs> it is a struzen. It's a really cool poster. So, yeah, if you... The Alamo Draft House is showing it. I think it's this. Is it this week or next week? But the uh, one of the lead actors is going to be there showing Adventures in Babysitting. I think it's next week. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So if you want to check it out, I recommend it because it's lots of fun. Go '80s movies. Very cool. And yeah, that's what I watched this week. So that leaves another '80s movie. Yes. Yeah, so this week for Real Nerds Podcast. We went and saw Turbo Kid. This is a weird week. Brad, should people go see Turbo Kid? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, they should go see Turbo Kid. James, um, wow. Uh, if you watch the trailer and you think it looks like something you might enjoy, it's a, it's really a niche kind of a film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was really funny. It's really bizarre though, so you got to know that going in and and be willing to. Um, sort of meet the movie on its terms. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would certainly recommend it if you see the trailer and you go, that looks weird and cool. Yeah, f- for sure. See this movie. Yeah, I, I actually had a lot of fun watching the movie. I thought the soundtrack was really cool. Yeah. Uh, the acting was fun in it. The, the young lady who played the girl in it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the trailer for Turbo Kid. And if you are in any way interested, don't listen to this because there's going to be spoilers that I think are genuinely things you shouldn't hear. So, just a warning. I will destroy you with my Turbo Glove, the ultimate weapon against the robot threat. But to be a true hero, you'll have to save your girlfriend. Hey! What's that in your head? It's a, it's a comic book. What's it about? It's about a turbo rider. <gasps> That's rad. I always wonder what the other side looked like. It's kind of gray and dusty. Well, I could show you. Around here, we like to do things with a little more joie de vivre. Where is she? Release the girl. This is gonna get ugly. As you may know, the situation is critical. We have reached maximum casualty level. Who exactly are you supposed to be? Turbo Rider. This is it, soldier. We have to hit these damn machines with everything we've got. Find them, kill them, and lead back their heads on pikes. I'm meeting up with an old knight. We're gonna strike the Zeus. Ah, what do you say?
could have been more like the real Turbo Rider. But you could totally be Turbo, kid. So Turbo Kid takes place, what I think is really cool about this film is it takes place in the future, but it's made as if it was from the 80s. So it takes place in the future in 1997, <laughs> right. where the future is a wasteland and everybody rides BMX bikes. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, there is Even the adults. Even the adults, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so this kid is all by himself and he idolizes uh, Turbo Rider, is that the name yeah. of the comic? yeah. Turbo Rider, and when his girlfriend is kidnapped, he kind of takes upon himself to become Turbo Kid. Well, he stumbles onto a spaceship that had <laughs> yeah. Turbo Rider in it, so he's a real dude. He's not just a comic book. Well, and for the first 20 minutes, yeah, you're, you're skipping over the first part where it's like he's just scavenging around and you're meeting the universe, and then he he runs into this girl who's just weird. Like, the the first part of the movie kind of feels like um, like that part in... Jurassic Park 3, where he's got, like, where you you go to the kid's, like, little, you know, fuselage where he's hiding all his shit. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. this is the same kind of thing. Like, this kid's got, like, this little place where he keeps all the, like, fun stuff that he's found in the wasteland. Um, and then he meets this girl, and she, they hang out in his little house together. And then he stumbles upon... Then she gets kidnapped, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because she says, wow, you're like the turbo kid. Yeah. Well, and so there's all of Michael Ironsides as well, because there's this whole plot with Frederick the Arm Wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like oh my god! Well, the thing is, is movie's so weird. There's so many '80s references, though. I actually thought of one today, and then I forgot it on the way here. Really? Yeah, that I totally Frederick missed. Frederick the Arm Wrestler is oh, it's Indiana yeah, over Jones. the top. Yeah, the over the top is the arm wrestling. Yeah, but it's mixed. But with the character Indiana looks Jones. like Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones, and then the guy's arm wrestling looks like Mola Ram from Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, that's Kalima. right. But they're close friends. Yeah, they're, it, they're buddies. Yeah, enough that like Kalaram or uh, Mola Ram gets like <laughs> killed later as punishment for, uh, you know, in a way to hurt the Indiana Jones guy. Yeah, the movie is just bizarre, but it's really <laughs> clever. And the violence is super over the top. Yeah, that's the part where, like, it, it's almost, like, tame for the first half of the movie. And then he gets the, the, the power glove, and it gets very not tame. All it's kind of like, it's like a mixture of, it's a power glove, but he basically looks like Mega Man. Yeah. Where he has a Mega Blaster that blows people to, like, goo. Yeah. Like, uh, like, District 9 style. Yeah. They just get liquidate, liquefied, you know? Um... Oh, man, and the so whole plan is to make people fight to the death so they can take the corpses of the losers <laughs> and right. mulch them into water. It's basically like if the whole point of it's Thunderdome, it's like if Thunderdome was, okay, whoever dies, we're going to squeeze the water out of you so we can have water again. Because yeah. <laughs> Michael Ironside's you know, motivation for killing people is straight out of an 80s horrible movie. Where oh, yeah. He's going to grind you up to make you water. It's uh, Soylent Green. Yeah. You know? The water is people. They even have a swelling green joke. The yeah, cereal even, they're eating. He even oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, and because uh, Turbo Kid says it to somebody at one point, he's like, "The water is people." Yeah, um, that's right. The water's made of people. Uh, yeah, this movie is so weird. It is, but it's super clever, and I love how it's shot when they try to make action scenes really cool with BMX bikes. Yeah, where people are being chased, and you know they're all over the place. <laughs> I will say this: If the girl who played the the girl character, what's her name? 
Uh, anyway, you Apple. Know, Apple, yeah. yes. If the girl who played Apple were not as fantastic as she is, I probably wouldn't like this movie. Like I, yeah, she kind of steals the show. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, every every scene she's in, the way she she's so over the top, and you know, from the moment you meet her, you're like, this bitch is a robot. Like you just know. Uh, and sure oh, this lady. uh and so uh you know just the way she behaves you know the moment when he asks her to teach him how to fight and she gets she gets excited in a way that like no human being has ever been excited um it's just fantastic uh yeah i will say it could have been shorter there were like a lot of parts where i was kind of like move along but sure other than that it's still fun because there's a lot of it's almost like there's uh it's almost like an 80s um like teenager movie where there's a lot mm-hmm. of like them just riding bikes together and like why don't we play tag um because there's this like there's a romance between him and a robot in the middle of it um and so yeah it leaves her a lot of downtime but then it also has a scene where a dude gets the top of his head chopped off and the top of his head spins like a top <laughs> or dudes get blown in half and one half lands on one guy and the other half lands on the other not blown in half <laughs> stabbed in the stomach with a shovel and then like a lever the shovel pops up oh, and the top right. half of his body flies through the air and the bottom half of his body flies through the air and they land like hats on dudes who then can't see. It is cool to see practical effects like that again, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're like, there's some gruesome ones in there. Yeah. There were some moments where I was like, oh. It's funny Even when that one was guy fake. was getting disemboweled by the bike. <laughs> yeah. And then he's <sighs> like, well, I set it up, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you have any idea how long this took to set up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Or when Frederick gets his hand chopped off, <laughs> like blood is coming out of it like a geyser right at the camera for yeah. like a minute. <laughs> it's just weird. And I yeah. Don't, I don't remember how I found out this movie was playing at places, <laughs> but it's literally the day before. It's like, oh, we're going to go see Turbo Kid. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what happens in September. Yeah. It's weird. I feel like last September we had good stuff to see. I don't remember. September's usually like when a Neil Blomkamp movie comes out. Yeah, but then we get Chappie and we hate it. And that was like March. I am Chappie. Yeah. A fellow named Unico, as cute as cute can be. An innocent boy was Unico, so happy and so carefree. What Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. If you want to call us, 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.